My guest on this week's episode of Suds and Search is Guy Sakalakis, founder and president at AttorneySync and EPL Digital. He is a lawyer turned SEO, and he's one of my favorite personalities in the industry. He has presented at numerous conferences, including Local U, ClioCon, the ABA Tech Show, and the Bedlam Conference, which he co-founded. He's the co-host of an extremely impressive podcast called Lunch Hour Legal. He and his co-host Conrad Sam have great chemistry, and the show is reliably smart, silly, and super informative. He is also a must-follow on social media, where he's famous for his catchphrase, meh, links. Over the years, link building has been somewhat controversial, with many SEO prognosticators inaccurately predicting that Google would decrease the value of links in its algorithm. He has been savvy. He's one of the leading experts on local link building. He frequently speaks and educates on topics surrounding link building. I'm going to start our conversation asking him about the current state of link building and get some actionable advice about how to build local links. His agency works exclusively with attorneys. Lawyers are notoriously challenging clients for a couple of reasons. Law firms are one of the most competitive verticals in local SEO, and lawyers are famously challenging personalities. We'll spend a little time chatting about the unique aspects of doing digital marketing for law firms. Grab something cold to drink and join me for a conversation with Guy Sakalakis. We'll talk about ways to be more effective at building links. I'll chat a little bit about agency life during a recession, and I'm going to ask Guy about the marketing lesson of collaborating with competitors. All right, Guy Sakalakis, welcome to Susan Search. How are you doing? Mark, so great to see you. Thanks for having me. It has been a long time coming. I'm really excited to have you on here. You Originally, I was going to have you in person, then COVID happened, then you moved from Chicago, so we've got to do it on uh, on over to the screen, but I think this is going to be a really great episode. I'm a big fan of yours, have been for a long time, and I want to ask you first about your catchphrase, meh links. I don't know if I did it right. I, you got to really land the meh you did. part. Uh, you got it. You know, there are SEOs with big followings and big names that really, really don't want links to matter. Do you know what I'm talking about? So, so SEOs want it to be true. So some of these SEOs want it to be true so badly. It's like, they're trying to will it into existence, but you know, I've been doing SEO since really like in earnest since 2009. And the one area of SEO, things change things evolve, but the one area of unbelievable consistency has been links, the value of links, the way that Google has looked at them, you know, after years of, I don't know, AI and people trying to, and sometimes succeeding at gaming link building, this is still a really important ranking signal. Google just can't quit links, whether they want to or not, but there's gotta be something about links that they're just a superior way to, to rank sites, I suppose. Why are links so important even still today to search engines? Uh, I think you hammered a lot of it there. Essentially, Google is a link-based search algorithm. Yeah. And so they, I know they would, you know, if you watch their search engineers, they'll be like, we want to create the Star Trek computer. We want knowledge graph. We want to understand the world and more power to them. That's a tough thing to do. Uh, they're getting better, but their best proxy that they have right now for, you know, editorial content votes is links, yeah. right? Um, that Links is the great gatekeeper because you can't just go uh, throw links up on CNN, right? Somebody's got to add the link there. And that's the thing that keeps the barbarians at the gate. Um, is it gamed? Yep. Uh, is it manipulated? Yes, it is. <laughs> but at the end of the day, like I always tell people like, and that's really where Matt Links is all about is, you know, look, you can do all this fancy stuff you want. And I'm, I don't dismiss technical SEO. I don't dismiss content marketing. Those are really, really important. Um, but at the end of the day, show me a search result 
where the majority of the listings are on domains that don't have any links. I've yet to, I challenge anyone who's watching this, send me the SERP. I've seen, I've seen you do this and it's so far it's crickets. So I, I watch this closely. Why do you, why does it stir up emotions? That's, that's the one thing I don't get is like, you can talk about technical SEO to your point all day. People will pat you on the back and give you a thumbs up and stuff like that. And you can talk about, you know, you can talk about all these different things that it's almost like those are loftier topics to talk about. Um, you know, I don't have a problem. Like why does this stir up so many emotions on SEO Twitter and elsewhere? Yeah, I think there's a lot of reasons. I mean, one, um, you know, Google, you know, Google's search algorithm is not the same as their PR team. Yeah. That's another thing I always tell people like, well, Good Google point. says this. Yeah. I'm like, Google, these guys don't, these people don't get paid to help you rank organically. Right. You know, they're getting, they, they're, it's, and again, they don't, they don't have to go out of their way and give us a lot of information they do. And I'm grateful for it. Like, don't get me wrong. I, I'm appreciative of it, but Again, the, you got to think about the motivation. And, and that's the thing is, is, you know, I said before, like, I'm not a search engineer. I'm all I look at it is like, I'm like, this is what is ranking, right? right. We get links and sites rank. But um, I think people get emotional because, you know, they, they watch a, uh, an office hours hangout with webmaster people from Google. And they're like, Google says, don't do this. And guess what else? They're annoyed. <laughs> they're annoyed that these spammy link builders are outranking them for their amazing you know, Shakespearean bingo. content that they're creating. Yep. Bingo. I think that's right on the other. So I think there's two problems. There's something you mentioned before that it's perceived as manipulation, uh, gray hattish, if you will, sometimes straight up black hattish. But the other problem with link building is that it's hard, sucky work. It's not enjoyable to do a bunch of outreach. I think there's always been this hope that you can make it easier, but you just can't. It's always been just a slog. Um, Maybe for, for people who, who are who are with you, they want to try and invest more in link building. Have you figured out a few you know, tactical things to make link, build, link building easier or maybe at least more enjoyable or more effective? Um, not on easier, <laughs> not on more enjoyable, but on effective. These are the things I tell people all the time. And again, we do uh, a lot of local uh, link building for uh, law firms and another brick and mortar uh, businesses at our other agency. But um, it's low. So local is its own thing, right? So like who, if you're an agency person or you're a consultant, or I guess if you're an in-house person, you really got to think about, you always start with like, all right, query universe, what's Google showing? But in the context where Google shows local map packs, it's local link building. And you, here's some things you, I'm, I'm going to, I'll tell you some strategies, but first I'm going to tell you what you can forget about. You can forget about domain authority, right? You can forget about page authority. Uh, you can forget about no follow versus follow. Um, uh, you know, that's a lot of the uh, talking points you hear from link builders and look for publisher sites like, yeah, authority and at scale. Like, I think that those are decent proxies. But if you're looking for local links, you got to think you got to get local. You got, so I always tell people, I'm like, first, start with other businesses that have websites that are in your local area. Um, whether and find a way to like partner with them. Maybe it's yep. some kind of content partnership. Maybe it's just a straight up sponsorship. Um, but find ways to get those local businesses linking back. And guess what? It's also beneficial because you get visibility on their site, assuming their audience is like tangentially related. They have a similar customer base. You know, we talk in uh, personal injury is like if you do content um, partnerships with uh, physical local physical therapy places. Uh, those kind of links, super, super valuable. So think yeah. locality and uh, topic 
uh, relevance for your link building. Um, it's also a great way to generate uh, traffic. I, you know, Google Maps is the best local link building tool. Just go to Google Maps and just go find all the businesses around. Yeah, I'll throw one more. This is my favorite uh, local link building tip that I owe Blake Denman a hat tip for. But the idea is every business has an accountant. They probably have an IT person. They probably have, uh, I don't know, maybe they have an SEO. A reverse testimonial. So to offer your attorney to give them a testimonial that they put on their website and links back to your website is a really easy way to just get low hanging fruit. Who would say no to that? Like, I'm going to say nice things about my IT company. That's hard to get. Uh, just put my review on your website and link back to my to my site. It, you're just you're just taking advantage of the relationships you already have. Um, that that person's probably local, and it's going to be a good link. No, love that idea. And yes, um, that's the thing. We get so cu- we read all these blog posts about like how to build links and scale outreach and send a thousand emails. Like focus on the rela- your your response rate for our, uh, working with people that already know you already have a business relationship with on yes. uh, link acquisition is way way higher than just cold outreach. Um, and the other thing that I always tell people too is. It just reminded me of this. Um, it's not a scale game. I mean, I've seen so many times you get one really, we had one where we, um, we contacted a local municipality. They had a broken link on their website. We recreated something that would be uh, responsive cool. to what their link was trying to, uh, and we just did outreach to them and the local municipality updated their link on their website. So, you know, your .gov link, which again, I think you can ignore .govs, but again, yeah. a, a local municipality linking back and I, when we, when we, when that got in, crawled and indexed and Google reshuffled, it was a huge impact. Um, and sites that had way, way more links getting outranked by this page that had one really solid local link. So I, I think that's the, the, the hardest thing about, uh, about link building for, for the haters, I guess, is that it just works. It just, it really does work. You can do the, the, the story you just told there. I see it all the time where it's like something happened. Oh yeah. There's a link from some, some local uh, not-for-profit or something like that and it really moves the needle. So I want to shift gears if I could. I, I, I really want to compliment you and Conrad for Lunch Hour Legal Marketing. The chemistry between you two is really good. You're both really smart guys. You both, uh, the jokes are funny. Everything is good. Um, you know, how did this come into existence? Tell our audience about it. I get like the the clips all the time on my social media and they're always like top-notch. They're always consistently very, very good. Well, thanks so much. I appreciate uh, those kind words. So uh, Conrad, uh, we, Conrad and I always joke because um, back we were both at Michigan at the same time. I was an undergrad and he was in business school, mm-hmm. but there was a bar that uh, he frequented that I worked at. And so he always, we always joke around that I probably served him a bunch of beers that he didn't even know. <laughs> um, but we really formally met uh, when he was the chief marketing officer at AVA, which was a big legal website. Uh, they sold internet mm-hmm. brands. He went out on his own, um, started his own agency. And, you know, we, I think we, we always were like friendly competitors. Um, and then the Legal Talk Network uh, asked me to host the show. And I thought, hey, this would be a great opportunity. But, um, you know, the idea behind Lunch Hour Legal Marketing is you have two different legal marketing agency founders mm. who are basically, you know, trying to give you like the inside baseball of what agencies do. And, I think, and we've also done a conference um, called Bedlam, which was an idea of, you know, competing agencies coming and bringing their A game to, you know, we're we're all competitors. We're all talking to the same audience, um, but I think it elevates the conversation. 
And uh, I think, you know, Conrad and I really like to get in under each other's skin. And so um, I think that that really helps the chemistry and the, I'm usually not that funny, but Conrad really brings out the best in me. Well, awesome. Yeah. And I, you, you mentioned this. So like the, you've got, uh, you've got Bedlam, that's Mockingbird, Nifty, Juris Digital, uh, obviously Attorney Sync, anyone I'm forgetting, maybe one or the others, but these are your competitors. Yeah, got noticed and found it. It's it kind of has evolved over the years. You know, um, Ramsey he exited, he so I, they're not. I don't think that they're uh, uh, into Bedlam as much. But hey, if Nifty folks are out there, you want to re uh, get involved with Bedlam, happy to do it. But you know, I think again, it's like it's these small agencies. We all work with law firms. We're all law firm focused, and um, you know, it just it really does. It's it's a unique thing where the the everything's elevated because we know that we're vying for the same business from the, in the same audience. I know it's so it's so interesting. I think there's a, so basically I think there's a marketing lesson here with your confidence, right? So you guys are doing podcasts together, you're doing conferences together, and then right after that, you might be up against each other in a pitch. You know, you're you're, you're trying to get the exact same lawyer who's probably look, talking to you know a couple of you at the same time. Um, how come it works with you guys and what is the marketing lesson there? I think there's something to be said for the confidence of both of you guys to just put yourself out there and say, hey, business will come. Yeah. I'm so I'm a, um, I've always been a, you catch more flies with honey than yeah. vinegar if that's how that goes. Yeah. But um, you know, these, these folks also, you know, a lot of them, we have um, exclusive territories. And so they're also great sources for referrals, right? Because, but to your point about the marketing, it's like, and I'm a huge David C. Baker person. Mm -hmm. So if, if folks that are listening, if you haven't read The Business of Expertise um, and Mark, to your point, like so much of it is about being like, look, we do things our way. We are who we are. We have our processes and our expertise. We stand by that. And so, you know, we're not the right fit for everybody. You know, mm -hmm. sometimes a lawyer, maybe it's just a, something as silly as like a personality mesh thing that they don't want to work with us. Um, but that happens with our competition as well. In fact, you know, I know there's a, there's um, several other legal agencies that will refer to us. And it's simply because they'll be like, you know, this is one of those like alpha pit bull <laughs> trial to right. attorneys. And, you know, that's, you know, that's technically what I was. I guess I wouldn't identify as a alpha pit bull. But I was a trial attorney. And so, you know, I, I kind of know that audience. But, you know, I think that that's and, and I think also the it's just like the camaraderie of that group. Like it yeah. does. I've, I've seen other groups try it and it gets cutthroat. And um, so I think there's a certain amount of just like the, the personalities that are involved make a big difference. But I, if you're an agency person, like be confident in what you do. You know, if, look, if you're, if you're not doing great work, fix that. But be honest with clients. Uh, take accountability for your mistakes and um, own it. And I'm telling you, it's for us, it's been a really, really positive experience to be able to build those relationships. Well, awesome. And, you know, you, you started in on this. Like, we're, I wanted to ask you about working with lawyers. So I don't want to speak for everyone in local SEO, but lawyers are notoriously difficult, right? This is, that's for a lot of reasons. I think for one, uh, it just is actually difficult. It's a competitive space where if you want to rank for, you know, personal injury terms in Chicago, it's like you're fighting other black belts over and over again. So there's that part of it. And then the second part is, you know, you know, I don't believe in stereotyping anyone except for personal injury attorneys, but they are challenging clients from a relationship standpoint. I mean, they're just, they are. So this is all you guys do at Attorney Sync. How do you navigate? How do you get to get into understanding these attorneys, winning those tough competitions on, you know, really competitive search terms and dealing with the personality at the same time? Yeah, I think some of it is, you know, I've, I always uh, tell my mom, I'm so proud. I have the dubious distinction of like two of the worst professional titles of all time. 
personal injury trial attorney and search engine optimization spammer. Um, and so like that intersection, it's like, I think that, uh, that helps though. And, you know, I think you mentioned it so much of it's just expectation setting and education. You know, these lawyers, uh, they're great in the courtroom. They know how to argue their case. Um, they know it, they can sniff out BS really, really fast. And so, um, if you're, you know, if you're not straight with them, you're not setting expectations, uh, properly, uh, they'll call you out for it. Um, but even, even when you do that, it's still, you know, it's, it's, a trial law takes a certain type of personality and so um certain uh, personality types gravitate toward it uh but you know at the end of the day i like you said i think it's fun uh legal super competitive which is part of the fun uh it's also you know i i think it's um legal in general is going is undergoing like a transformation right now not just in personal injury but um you're, you're gonna start seeing like non-law firm ownership of uh non-lawyer ownership of law firms and a couple other regulatory changes that are going to really, uh, I think, bring more money into legal in general, people trying to solve access to justice issues. So for me, it's like an exciting place to be. And, and you know, lawyers are my people. So, you know, most of our clients, like they're small business owners, just like me. So a lot of their issues, um, they resonate with me. And, um, you know, like I said, I think it's a lot of fun. Um, but, you know, the other thing, because you mentioned like it's super competitive, you know, that's because so many people are chasing the same handful of head terms. Mm -hmm. And like, and I know you know this, but it's like crazy. Like Google is a research, I mean, it's an ad platform, first of all, but <laughs> the organic part is a research engine. And so yeah. it's all about the long tail. It's those questions that potential clients that don't even need, they, they know they need a lawyer yet. It's all those queries that people are searching on that you want to give visibility on, uh, demonstrate your expertise, and then motivate them to contact you. So um, anyway, maybe that's a tip if you're a, if you're a legal SEO person, uh, stop trying to fight all over these head these low funnel head terms that you think everybody right. searches. They actually make up a much smaller uh, piece of the total pie. Yeah, zig whenever everyone else is zagging. I like it. Um, yeah, one of the things that you and Conrad, I went back and watched uh, watched listened to an episode from back in the spring. You guys talk about attribution a lot, which is a, a, a fun topic. So this particular episode was about dark social and the attribution challenges. It just like really tickled my interest. So, you know, there are real challenges. Before we get too far down the road, maybe we should define these things. What is dark social and why is it so hard to attribute leads to dark social? Yeah, so so the, the kind of the uh, 10 second uh, answer here is, we're, let's start with attribution, right? So like marketers, we want to be like, we want to get credit for the work yes. that we do. So we're like, okay, you know, we went out and we drove this organic traffic from search. They came to our website, they called us, they filled out a form. And so attribution is linking that back, right? So for in the context of law firms, it's, you know, this, per, this uh, person became a client and we can track that all the way back to, they came from organic or they came from paid search or whatever. Okay. So uh, the problem is, and we've known this forever, you know, mar marketers, you know, the old school marketers, they never even attribution. They're like, what? We just, you just get impressions. You'd build awareness. People come, you track, you track revenue. Right. But so these digital marketing folks like us, we came in and we were like, look, we can actually track this stuff. And I, I talk about it all the time. I'm like, this is amazing. We can get yeah. credit for this and we should track it. And we add UTM parameters, add UTM parameters to your Google business profile. So you can isolate right. in uh, Google. Um, but here's the problem. Not everybody, not every customer or client follows that linear conversion path. It's not always search, click, call, hire. And so what dark social is, is that, you know, how do you know, if someone goes to, a, they meet you at um, a networking event and they go and they do a search 
and they click on your website. Uh, maybe they maybe they clicked on an organic listing. They click on your website, and then uh, but they didn't they didn't contact you. They just wanted to learn more about you, right? So then later they come back, and then maybe they see something you post on LinkedIn. Um, you know, and your and your your attribution systems catching all these touch points, right? So they you know they get cookied, or maybe they you got uh, first party data because they filled out a form, you got their email or something, so you're tracking them and you're seeing them. You're they're coming through all this stuff, but guess what's not going to be in there? That networking event, right? right? That networking event's not showing up in your attribution, yeah. and so that's the idea of dark social is that um, there's all these things that we've done historically uh, that uh, generate a lot of business. They generate a lot of word of mouth, a lot of awareness, a lot of uh, brand affinity. Um, but our act, but we get so myopic about thinking about these attribution systems that we forget about all this good other marketing stuff that actually drives revenue. So, um, and I'll tell folks too. Um, Refine Labs, go check out what Refine Labs is talking about. Uh, they've got like blanking on their um, podcast, but uh, Chris Walker does a really, really nice yeah. job talking about a lot of these things. And I, I think we're going to see a pendulum swinging. I think we're going to start yeah. seeing people being like, you know, look, we got to take a more holistic look at this with qualitative form fills. Like, you know, how did you find us? Like those old fashioned types of things, because that qualitative data on how people are finding you, like, Otherwise, you optimize yourself into a box. You're like, oh, everything came from paid social or everything came from paid yeah. search. And it's like, no, it didn't. It's just you have last touch attribution set up. Correct. Yeah, there's a, there's a study Google did. I think I have this right. So Google found that on average, people will visit, will do a search 66 times before they buy a car. So that's just the search part of it. Like the, people will research and research. There's like a, a story of one person who did some unbelievable amount of searches before buying a a Subaru, you know, it's like this, this, this isn't this last click attribution model is not how it happens in real life. It just isn't, it, it doesn't reflect uh, what you're doing. And, you know, I, here's, here's where I, my head went when I, when I was starting to think about this is I do this video series on Thursdays, Greg does his on Tuesdays. And the most common question I get from everyone else is, do you get a lot of business off of your video series? Like, I know it helps. I don't know exactly what it, I to attribute it to. I mean, it's like impossible to measure some of this stuff. You know, it's just, it's, it's good. It stays in people's social media. It's kind of the point you're making. I think it's, it's like, it's the greatest thing about digital marketing is we have all this data and we have all these metrics, but you can kind of get drunk on the data and sort of get tunnel vision. Um, you know, do we exactly always right. need a metric with a three letter acronym to prove the value of everything we do? I don't know. You know? So. Exactly. And I, I'm a big, like do both. Right. right. So like, I, you know, I, I, so we're going to, you watch over the next several years, everybody's going to be jumping on this, you know, dark social and, you know, attribution doesn't, it's broken, blah, right. blah, blah, bandwagon. And the truth is attribution is just fine. It does a lot of good. Right. It helps inform a lot of things. Um, but let's not be, let's not let that attribution like lead the whole story. Right. So, you know, and I'll give you, um, an example on our podcast, you know, someone might just fill out a form on our website and be like, I listened to lunch hour legal marketing. That's the best attribution that we're going to get from that. We're not going to get any uh, dots connecting. Um, but then you, if you, if you layer in also where the platforms are going with privacy, where Apple's going with privacy, we're going to even be more in the dark with our attribution stuff than we have been in the past. So they start phasing out third-party cookies over the next couple of years. Um, and so again, it's like, you got to kind of open your mind up to this idea of um, what, what these folks would call uh, demand generation, right? Mm -hmm. So like when they, when people watch uh, Suds and Search, now you're, you're in their mind, you're, you're renting space in their head, your brand's renting space in their head. 
And um, that is super, super value. And the old school marketing people, they, they, they did this for hundreds of years, right. maybe not hundreds, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so we're kind of, it's kind of coming full circle in that respect. Well, I love it. And, and the last thing I wanted, we're, we're both agency owners. Um, and it's an interesting time We're we're heading into a recession. I think a lot of people, myself included, have, have really like never owned a worked in this field during a recession. You know, it's, it's, it, as much as we all might, might want to say, you know, don't cut your marketing spend during a recession, you should spend more, you know, businesses do, they cut it. Uh, it, it you know, I wonder, do you have any advice for running an agency during a recession? Do you have any advice for agency folks? And uh, how are how are you forecasting this in your own in your own agency? Great question. So I am actually one of these fortunate people that had this is my second recession because we founded Attorney Sync uh, in two thousand seven eight. Okay. And so we were uh, and we were you know brand new, so super fragile. Um, but to, to your point, a couple of things I would say. Number one. Uh, if you are uh, fortunate enough to be able to position your agency to focus on a vertical that is not likely to uh, be impacted as much by the recession, I would start doing more marketing, content marketing around that, or maybe adjust your positioning or kind of the audience that you're going after, right? Because not everybody uh, goes through it. Uh, you know, there are certain businesses that uh, actually do better in recessions. I'll let folks look that up on their own. Um, and then two, the big one is, and you alluded to this, is resetting expectations with yeah. clients, right? Because, you know, every, and this even happened coming out of COVID. Um, we were, we work with some uh, clients in the higher education space. And so during COVID, you know, everybody's at home, they're not going to work, uh, they're on lockdown. They're like, all right, might as well go get a degree or a certificate, go get an online MBA or something. And so, you know, numbers exploded for online higher education. Uh, and then the next year came around and everybody's going back to work and, you know, they're out and about again. And they're like, well, we got to hit where, what about our, what's our, what's going on with our year over year? Yeah. Why over, why over why? And it's like, well, hold on a second. The macroeconomic situation is totally different. So start having those conversations with clients now. Yeah. Um, but again, you, you made this point too, you know, Harvard business review, there's several studies on this. Mm -hmm. The opposite uh, is true. If everybody else is pulling out, guess what? You're, there's more share of market to be commanded. Yep. Your cost per clicks are going to come down in ads. Uh, people aren't going to be as competitive in their content marketing and their social media because they're going to be dialing back those budgets. So, um, you know, focus on the uh, industries that are still likely to be growing during this downturn. Talk to your clients now. Start uh, preparing for those. You know, it's not going to be the same as it was uh, when you're having your best year ever. And so when you're doing forecasting, make sure you're taking those macroeconomics the best you can. I love it. Well, now it's time for everybody's favorite part of the show. This is where Greg Gifford gives me a question for the guest with no context. For Yugi, he has brought this place up a few times, so I'm I'm a little bit more prepared this time. But the Cherry Circle Room is Gifford's like favorite place on earth. What what is this place, and and how'd you introduce him to it? So. Um... Yep, Greg and I, and I think um, Barwig last time on the yep, yep. I don't know if it was, it was maybe a couple episodes ago. Yep. Yeah, he was with us too. So Chicago Athletic Association is a hotel, uh, and I'm, I'll probably screw this up. So for my hardcore Chicago people, you can correct me online. But um, it was an old men's club many many years mm -hmm. ago, uh, and they shut it down. And then uh, I don't know if it was the Ricketts or one of the families purchased it and rehabbed it, restored it. And as they were going through. Um, 
you know, some of this old stuff, they found like this just beautiful, uh, a beautiful bar, uh, the, the milk rooms there. And so, but uh, Cherry Circle Room will focus on that. Uh, it's a restaurant there, uh, great wine selection, yeah. great food, but the ambiance, like if you really want like a, an upscale, like really old school Chicago dining experience, it's one of my favorite places to go. And um, you're making me uh, miss it <laughs> since I'm not in Chicago. So next time I'm in Chicago, we're going to have to make some time to get back over there. We're going to have to do it for sure. I love it. And the Chicago Athletic Association, for people who don't know, it, you know, the scene in Untouchables where the, the, I don't know, the stroller is rolling down the stairs. They have all their staircases look like that. It looks like Al Capone could be walking down the street anytime, but it's all nice and beautiful. Uh, I love that place. And for sure, I'll have to take you up on that. Guy, if people want to get in touch with you, Attorney Sync, I know you have it's EPL is the other brand. Um, I want to make sure Bedlam, you've got your podcast. You've got a lot to promote. Uh, how should people get in touch with you? You're a must follow on Twitter. I got to make sure people know that. Um, you know, yeah, I'm still on Twitter for now. So we'll see how that plans out. <laughs> but you can uh, contact me on Twitter. You can search for attorney SYNC and contact me through my website. Um, or I'm at my long uh, Greekish last first and last name. Although Guy, sorry for another time, not Greek, but um, <laughs> Guy Sakalaki, LinkedIn. Love to connect. Love talking. Search or beer. And Mark, thank you so much. It's been a blast. Oh, I love it. Uh, it's been a long time coming. Guy, you're one of my favorites. Uh, let's do this again. Stake on me next time you're in Chicago for sure. Uh, deal. <laughs> Great to see you, Mark. All right, brother. Cheers. Signing off for now. We'll be back next week with another episode of Suds and Search. Thanks, Guy. 